Well, Janet, you did it again, and I thank you so much. And, you know, it's so interesting on the title of those songs you were playing, you know, Hymns of the Sea. When you were playing that song, uh, Peace Like a River, I remember coming to you in the practice and saying, that's not one of the hymns of the sea. And then you actually showed me where one of the verses was actually about an ocean, which is a kind of sea. So... That was really, really interesting, plus a lot of those other songs. I hope and pray the day will come that we will uh, be able to put this uh, up on video so that as you're playing these songs, people will have the words uh, and the verses. And uh, thank you again so much. And hello there, everybody out in listening land. Uh, here we are again today uh, with the uh, diary of Mary Magdalene, and this is part four. And uh, we're just going to get into this because I've got a lot to cover. There's a few things I want to, you know, uh, reiterate, uh, which I think is just important for the uh, the, the general continuity of, of uh, thought and concept. Uh, but um, let's uh, let's get started. Okay, uh, what we want to what we want to do is um, we want to start off. Uh, Talking, talking to you about um, things like, um, you know, uh, the term father and son. Do you know that there is a, a big thing going on in the States right now? And, uh, and they're trying to, um, uh, to change some of the names. They've got actually even another Bible out in which they are re replacing the name father and son. And, uh, be, and, and uh, one of the reasons is they're coming up with this thing called uh, Chrysalem. And uh, they are trying to have these churches where uh, Muslims, Christians, and Jews come together and they do a reading from each one of their words. And, uh, of course, um, I, don't, I don't know that anything was said about the Jews or the Muslims adjusting anything in their books, but uh, somehow there uh, seemed to be uh, a need from the idea that someone had to adjust the Bible, uh, but especially on the idea of the Father and the Son, and uh, and it somehow has an effect uh, on Jesus, Jesus Christ thing. Uh, I'm not going to make a judgment on that, uh, because uh, I don't think they know where that's going. I for sure don't know where that's going, but there 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 is the one point that they that they do make, and uh, and uh, it is um, uh, certainly uh, ingrained within the, the uh, uh, reality uh, of of uh, of the Bible if you can't understand it from you know a a proper interpretation uh, when they when they impose in the scripture the term father. You can't be a father unless you have a son or a daughter. Uh, when they impose the word son or daughter, then generally you impose that um, there had to be some kind of, of, of a physical birth. There had to be a mother, and, 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 the, and, the, and the birth came uh, down uh, through the womb of the mother. And uh, and then of course they feel uh, and others feel that um, when you say mother and father, that um, uh, for there to be that production, uh, it seems to insinuate on some kind of very personal, intimate relationship, in order to provide uh, the uh, the 
term that the father is a father because he has given birth through the process to the son or the daughter, and the son is a son or a daughter is a daughter because of the intimate process that has revealed this. Now, um, of course, uh, in the case of Jesus, uh, how they sort of tried to get around that, I guess, is by saying, well, Jesus was born of a virgin, you know. Uh, uh, <clears throat> but then um, uh, someone trying to put it in the, into the uh, common language and technical language of uh, how on this planet, on this earth, that people have children and the process occurs is then suddenly it's like the Holy Spirit becomes the Father or the Holy Ghost becomes the Father. And, and uh, then, you know, it just unravels one string of questions to another that becomes so frustrating to most people. They just, uh, you know, don't want to chew on it. They don't want to, to, to um, uh, uh, have to give any serious thought on it because it just is a little bit too uh, brain straining for them. Uh, today we're going to be covering a lot of things, and I don't know if we can get through number four and finish up the subject or not, but uh, we're going to just take it as, as it comes, and I think it's, uh, you know, absolutely important to understand that. Now, in Matthew, uh, we're not, I'm not turning to it, but in Matthew uh, 12, 46 through 50, uh, Jesus and his brothers uh, appeared. Appeared, uh, pardon me, Mary and his brothers appeared outside this house where Jesus had been ministering to someone who was sick. And uh, the disciples saw the mother and brothers and they told Jesus, they said, your mother and your, your, uh, your brothers are outside and they want to see you. And then Jesus answered and he said, well, <clears throat> who is my mother? And, and 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 brothers uh, who 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 is my mother who are my brothers uh and basically his opinion was you know uh it really is determined uh on the will of god who th those people that obey the will of god now uh what was interposed here is that um you had no doubt uh a mother and and uh, there was nothing ever said about her uh, being produced after uh, an, an a, a style or effect or condition in which she was not born of 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 a rather reg regular uh, condition of mother and father producing a daughter, and uh, and uh, and then and that became the mother of Jesus, and then you had brothers who were given birth obviously as a result of uh, of a personal intimate situation between Joseph and um and, and Mary uh and and so here we have this um what seems to be a basic uh uh element which is a required constant in a sense uh in uh, in a biological meaning uh for producing uh offspring and then therefore as a result of producing offspring uh creating uh the effect of there being a father and there being a mother which sort of gives title uh to to uh the production uh that has successfully occurred of the children so then as we get into that 
uh, we see all of a sudden with all of that enormous amount of, of uh, uh, deep um, uh, a, a tribute that would go to that process for the, for the creating uh, of that production, uh, Jesus, in just a few words, he takes and he overrides it, overshadows it, overrides it, and says, well, wait a minute, who is my mother? And who, who, who are my brothers? Well, he says, my mother and my brother, they are really the ones who are doing the will of God. So, so um, there seems then to be a said uh, to be a level that a person may obtain. Uh, perhaps uh, if we were to put it in the vernacular of the, of the 30-fold, the 60-fold, the 100-fold, and then, of course, you've got people that are just, just not even 30-fold deep. They're just surface. And so that, that there could be this parallel that somehow seems to be uh, said by Jesus that um, if he is at 100-fold and his mother and his uh, brethren are at a surface level, then uh, they are not on the same level that he is in the uh, intimacy aspect of production uh, uh, really aligned uh, with what that would mean on a hundredfold or what it might mean on a sixtyfold or what it might mean on a thirtyfold. So only would it mean the same thing if he either came down to the surface and was in that alignment with them, then that that would all be relative. Or they went up to that hundredfold where he was, then they would all be aligned. Uh, that sounds a little bit uh, complicated and, and, uh, and, and maybe in a way that it, it is, but we, we have to look at these things because uh, this was something that not what, what we said, it was something that Jesus said. And he said it just suddenly when his mother and his brethren appeared. Now, we could take that a little further then, and we could say uh, in that same application that Jesus could just as well have said, well, who is my wife? Well, my wife is she who does the will of God. Now, that doesn't mean he could have 1,500,000 wives, but it means that the wife that is assigned to him really becomes his wife when she is, is uh, uh, you know, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, uh, spirit of his spirit, heart of his heart, and there's an alignment. Otherwise, she's sort of like a concubine. She's just tagging along, and she's got the legal uh, paperwork that makes her the legal wife, uh, but doesn't really make her uh, the, the legal wife in the sense of the spiritual attachment. And and so there is a lot to be considered in all these kind of things. Uh, I I don't want to see anybody uh, either with the man's side of it or the woman's side of it suddenly decide that um, their husband or the or the wife is just not aligned, and so uh, they're uh, going to uh, go to boot camp and start booting out uh, the wife or the or the husband. Uh, don't don't get on that train and don't give. Me me any credit for producing such an idea. I'm just trying to uh, ascribe some things here that have interesting uh, connotations uh, that as we get 
up the road with our teachings, if we have the time, uh, we will be able to note this and uh, have certain infiltration of of those very deep-worded thoughts that Jesus uh, was saying, uh, uh, having some kind of of application uh, to the overall picture that, you know, we want to draw. Now, um, you know, we, we have to understand that... Um, that uh, these things are are important, and that scripture for this thing about the mother and the brother and so forth, that can be found in Matthew 12, uh, verses 46 through 50, all right? And I think that's, uh, you know, something well worth uh, uh, looking into, and and, uh, let's just keep going. Now, we call this teaching the diary of Mary Magdalene. And a person might say, well, you know, where, where are you coming up with this diary? And even though I have, uh, I have mentioned it, uh, you know, it's been a while, and, and, uh, and since it's the title of our teaching, it's well worth mentioning it again <clears throat> as we come toward the latter part of our, our teaching on this subject. Um, the diary of uh, Mary Magdalene, we, we take it from Revelation 20, uh, verses 12 and 15, and we, we talk about it as a living diary, and how that, uh, that you know, there's these different books that the Bible talks about are going to be opened, Book of Life, and there's all these different books, and, and that within the cluster uh, uh, of those books, um, uh, that that there is uh, uh, a diary that each person has, and uh, and this diary is about that person's life, which in manifest terms we call it the beling, beling, b-e-l-i-n-g, and um, so. Um, uh, those things are all extremely very interesting. There's another scripture, though, that goes along quite uh, uh, quite cute, quite poetic, uh, quite neatly, uh, and it's in Psalms 90, verse 9. I take a part of that verse uh, because that's all that's really uh, a- a- applicable, and it says, We spend our years as a tale that is told. Now, I find that very interesting. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Uh, What we live, how we live, where we live, when we live, uh, the conditions uh, of that living uh, is all enfolded into a a tale. And that tale is part of of the living book called the Beling, described in Revelations, but, you know, in sense of what I just said, also described in the book of Psalms 99. 90 verse 9. And and so there are so mid, many hidden realities. There are so many uh, supersedent uh, places where, where one may step ahead of the norm, uh, where one may graduate into uh, a succinct place uh, that, that is so linked and so connected uh, that that it 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 immediately takes you into the beyond. Uh, there's a scripture that we could say that describes it. It says, uh, "Come, dwell in the most secret place of the of of the Most High." There's a secret place of the Most High, and we have been bid to come and dwell in that place. <clears throat> now, as to things about Jesus Christ, Psalms 91, um, and and we can be feel quite uh, uh, secure that that this is talking about G- Jesus Christ. Um, 
Let's, let, let me just turn to it real fast. Psalms 91, 16. And um, let's just look at this. And this, this is uh, what it says um, in Psalms 91, 16. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation with long life. Someone says, well, how do you know that that's talking about Jesus? Because in the beginning of that chapter, it talks about he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Of course, you could have uh, that being Jesus Christ uh, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High being the Father, like the Father's house. Uh, that doesn't mean that it doesn't have application for, for us individually through Jesus Christ, because it would. But how we more specifically know that it's talking about Jesus Christ is verse 11 where it says, uh, it starts with the preposition for, and it says, for he shall give his angels. Now here is a person that, that has angels. And someone could say, well, I've got guardian angels. That could apply to me. Well, yeah, it could apply to you to have a guardian angel. But this isn't just a guardian. This is angels. This is, it's plural. And uh, Jesus one time said, thank you not that I can call you know, uh, 12 legions of angels to come. Uh, he's got angels, and, it, and it's plural, and it's multiple. And then the thing that really knocks it in is when he says, um, you know, and for he shall give his angels charge over thee. So here uh, it is describing Jesus as having authority over these angels, able to give him the charge to them, uh, of what they could do and what they can't do, and and uh, and and uh, able able to um, you know to to be in command of them, and yet uh, to be subject to them, because that is all part of of what you know is the way that it's so, supposed to be. Now, uh, someone says, you know, if you still have some questions on it, then you could go and look at Matthew f chapter four verse six where Jesus goes up to the Mount of, of Temptation. And the devil says, well, it's, it's written, you know, and it says you're supposed to give your angels charge over you, uh, at least you dash your feet against the stone. So uh, Satan is quoting this very scripture and, and, and uh, uh, showing that that applies to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not denying that, but he's saying, you know, you're not supposed to be going around tempting the Lord. And, and so uh, we have really uh, collectively then proof that, that, that this scripture area is talking about Jesus Christ. So when we go down below verse 11, which is the one about the angels, uh, and giving charge uh, to keep thee in all thy ways, verse 12, they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy feet against a stone. Uh, and then we go down to 16, we can see in the continuity of the language, it is talking about Jesus Christ. So it says, and with a long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now someone say, okay, big deal. What's, you know, what are you trying to make a big deal out of that? Well, it is a big deal. You know, and, it, and it's unfortunate if you cannot see it, uh, but then that's why you have a teacher and why you have a seer uh, to be able to show you these things that, that you might read and not notice. But, but when you think in terms that Jesus has eternal life, and he talked about eternal life a lot, and has eternal life, then how do you give somebody that has eternal life uh, what is 
broadcasted in this scripture, you know, where it says, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Because there is a definite difference between a long life and eternal life. And and uh, and that's very pronounced. And if you, you don't understand that difference, then you don't understand the meaning of eternity. So so how could this be and how could it apply? Well, when you understand this thing in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, I'm going away, I'm, I'm going, you know, to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you there. And I want to I want to come again and bring you uh, to be with me. And and all those scriptures where, you know, he talks about being a stranger on earth and and uh, basically an alien here and and not belonging here he says to to uh, uh you know uh, uh to to one of the uh, chieftains that was uh, questioning him uh, during that whole uh, process of 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 uh trying you know to get him crucified uh you know he says if if uh if this was my world if if this was my world, he says, then my servants would fight. But he says, this is not my world. And that's, that's what he said. That's Bible. That's Bible. That's, that's Bible. So now we understand when we talk about long life, he's talking about long life as it equates, as it applies to this living in this in the physical realm, uh, including earth and including uh, the uh, Father's house, which we call Artura. Uh, and, and so now we understand that, and it's still not applying uh, to eter- eternal, uh, you know, uh, although in the, in the uh, physical universe, that is an infinity. And there is a, a physical infinity, and there is a spiritual or spirit infinity. Physical infinity, spirit infinity. And so when we understand that, uh, and all these scriptures that are just like, you know, puzzle marks, that, that uh, they just all go together, and when you put them all together, it is so absolutely precious and beautiful, you know. Uh, in... in um, uh, Chapter 92, the next chapter that comes right after this one, verse 5, it says, O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. So anybody that is caught up into some kind of an idea of ultimate and, and, and total uh, uh, simplicity, and you have conditioned your mind that everything is just simple, then you have no understanding of chemistry you have to speak of. You have no understanding of biology. Uh, if you, if, and, and for sure, uh, practically no understanding of the brain. Because when you look at the human uh, body and all of, all of this incredible number of molecules and atoms and, and, and all the nerve fibers and, and the brain with all, all of this uh, incredible complicated system that is almost like a universe of atoms and, and uh, with all these impulses and signals, uh, you are not looking at something, uh, you know, a simple assignment. You are looking at a deep, deep deep complexity and this is this was how 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 the lord made it 
So the thoughts of God are very deep. And, and if we can't understand that, and we want to all put it in, into simple Simon, uh, you know, Peter Pan type of apple pie, and that's all that you want to digest, uh, you know, you probably won't get enough protein to, to, to live much of a, much of a lengthened life. Uh, but, um, uh, I hope that you do end up doing better than that. Okay, let's keep moving because there's a lot to, to talk about, you know? So, so, um, uh, it, it is important uh, to to understand these kind of things. Now, later, we're going to get into a word uh, that's called um, trans, uh, resp- trans uh, respirational. Trans respirational. Okay? That would be uh, T-R-A-N, trans, T-R-A-N-S, and then you go R-I-S, Spirational, P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N-A-L. Okay, so that is a a very very uh, important word. Let's spell it one more time for you: T-R-A-N-S-R-E-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N. And uh, this is a uh, sort of a new word we're introducing, uh, and it's it's a very interesting word. Um, when the scientists are talking about two atoms, one being on this side of the universe, the other atom being on the other side of the universe, but somehow those particular two atoms have an alignment. And and so uh, they do not recognize the vast amount of space and distance between them. They are so aligned uh, that their connection, uh, you know, um, cancels out uh, that vast distance of space. And so they are what the scientists call entangled, you know. Um, we, we, we call it uh, transrespirational uh, aura glow uh, of phototransition. And um, uh, it's beautiful once you really understand it because it ties into so many things from the beginning of Genesis where it talks about let there be light. We were not talking about the kind of light that was the sun at that time. Sun wasn't created till the third day, which was a not a 24-hour period, but it was a generation age, according to the second chapter of the book of Genesis. And so we begin to understand that there's something about this aura, then there's something about this aspect of this phototransition, and then there's something special about this idea of this trans-respiration, because uh, this word... Uh, um, respire, from which respiration comes from in the way that we use it, means to breathe again, uh, to breathe in and out, uh, to, to, uh, to uh, connect to from re-again, re-again something that was once before to have it happen again and and uh, it is also connected uh, in the physiological sense with allowing uh, the vitality of the blood to flow so then it connects us to the blood which the bible says that the blood is the, represents the life of the body so so um there is something awesome here uh this word you know you can Check this word out uh, in the uh, Strong's Greek Concordance under 109 and 5594. 109 and 5594 in the Strong's Greek Dictionary Concordance. And uh, when we begin to, to see this, that, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of possibilities that the, the Hebrew word 
uh, uh, you know, uh, air uh, can mean an eagle, even an eagle from its uh, wind in flight. Uh, it's it's very very interesting. Um, or it can it can just mean uh, like in 109 uh, in in the Greek uh, from uh, from the idea of air, which you find in First Thessalonians 4:17, where it talks about I will meet you in the air. But you know, in this this air not being just necessarily limited to environmental uh, sky, but but also incorporating something that has to do with the inhalation or the breath of God. Now it's one thing when you know we think in terms of just regular oxygen, but when we think in terms of when when uh, God breathed into Adam, kraya nefesh, nefesh, kraya nefesh, that. You know, he breathed the soul into him, and 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 uh, he made Adam a living soul. Uh, so the word living uh, uh, modified the word soul to become spirit soul instead of it just being body soul. Uh, ever even animals have body souls uh, and they have spirits, but they do not have spirit souls. And so this made Adam unique because he had a spirit soul, krayath uh, nefesh, and and uh, and it was mo- modified uh, by by the the language, uh, which then uh, in- enabled it to mean you know spirit uh, spirit soul instead of just body soul. So so those things are so important, uh, and as we get into these you know this trans whenever you see trans t-r-a-n-s uh think of transportation that's meaning is taking some uh some freight from this part uh, of the earth or this part of the nation over to the other side of the nation it's transporting it uh in star trek they get the idea tell the teleportation which is a, a borrow from the word transportation uh, is a teleportation because uh, you know it's the idea of tele representing done by signals and, and beams and messages rather than done by the uh, uh, axle weight of some uh, uh, truck, uh, uh, you know, uh, run, running down the highway or some uh, locomotive pulling a bunch of uh, boxcars behind it. Uh, so this word transrespiration or transrespirational is going to get into being quite a thing as it incorporates this idea of respire and to breathe again, uh, to breathe in and out. This is a special kind of place to come in God in which a person is beginning to be restored uh, to the creature that they once were. And and uh, it's uh, just, you know, a gorgeous and beautiful subject, you know. I, I think we could we could attune this time to uh, a descriptive thing that uh, Joel said in Joel three, Joel J O E L three sixteen. He said, "The Lord shall roar like a lion." You know, shall R O A R roar. The Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter His voice from Jerusalem. I think this is a time 
with with the word of God that's coming forth like it is right now, in which there is the 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 lion of the tribe of Judah is roaring out of Zion, and we have this whole new revelation of what Zion really means <clears throat> as it is tied in to to the transfiguration that happened on Mount, uh, you know, uh, Hermon, and 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 all of the uh, incredible uh, things that are attached to all of that. Blessed be the name of God. What an exciting time. All right. Let's keep going. So then <clears throat> uh, we talked about, um, you know, Jesus coming in the flesh. Uh, and uh, in 1 John 4, 2 through 3, we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to get into that subject of Jesus coming in the flesh and, and the importance of it and, and how that... Uh, we really have to understand this thing of Jesus coming in the flesh. Now, we mentioned once before that it could have been of a na nature that when Jesus had the mission, he could have appeared as an adult, dropped out of a, a starship, a Zith, and, and, and uh, just, you know, begin to appear to people, begin to do signs and wonders. And, and if they said, well, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus Christ. I'm from the Father's house. Uh, I've, uh, <coughs> I've been dropped down here by, by a starship. And um, I've come here to tell you about the kingdom of God. It could have been done that way. You know, but the thing that 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 wasn't done that way is because there was a reason for the emphasis being made uh, uh, about the plan of salvation and how tied into that it was with the body, and and the fact that that um, that Jesus came as a kinsman redeemer to to redeem the the um, the Ophanim angels who fell into matter into uh, human bodies and became trapped uh, and a word in Peter that they translated to hell is actually a word uh, that means um, you know um, imprisoned you know uh, and so so uh, when we begin to see this meaning and and get the reality of it. You know uh, that there's an incarceration here, and and this word Tartaru, uh, that was the word for meaning uh, that incarceration, was just translated to mean hell, which which um, you know it, it can be a kind of hell, but but you know it was not limited to just one um, uh, you know a statement of definition, and and by doing what they did, they they missed the the beauty uh, of of explanation of humans being trapped in this body of which in colossians it tells us about you know the chains that are in our flesh molecular chains and how that you know all these different tissues and and uh, uh various body parts are all connected and you know all we're in the chains of this human body and and uh and we we have to finish this now the bible says it behooved jesus to to want to be uh likened to his brethren he he want because unless he did that he could not be uh, a um uh, you know, uh, the kind of a redeemer that's called a kinsman redeemer, which was part of the Old Testament law. But, you know, the Old Testament law is uh, something you can't just throw down into the ditch because Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I did not come to destroy it. And, and now people have got to get that in their mind. The people out there that some of you people say, hey, I don't want nothing to do with the Old Testament. I don't read it. You're making a mistake. You're making a drastic mistake. You know, you need to read the whole Bible because there's a continuity to it. 
Well, I read Psalms. That's not good enough. You need to read the whole Bible. And and you need to understand that Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And you can't fulfill something that you don't even know what it says. You know, and so God wants you to understand what this whole Bible says because that, that whole Bible is the greatest book that's ever been written. Now, some would say, yeah, well, I can show you lots of problems with it. Uh, well, you show me all that you want. You can, but, 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 uh, you know, um, uh, this book wasn't written for, for perfected people. It was written for people that are riddled with problems of every kind. And so uh, I would say that even in the state that it's in before it is really finished up into the smooth troll of word that it will one day have, uh, that, that uh, it's not still too bad of a fit uh, for, for the people uh, for whom it is given to because, uh, uh, you know, of, of their mixed up, confused uh, body language and body mentality. Okay, let's go on. All right, now as we we get into that understanding then of uh of of this whole thing of the mission of Jesus and the importance of this thing uh you know about the flesh uh it 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 is absolutely you know essential that uh an application of of understanding is uh is gripped within the mind so that <clears throat> you're not confused about what the message is and the mission is. Okay, so let's keep moving on. Uh, let's let's just sort of uh, get excited under the roar of 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 the utter of the voice of the Lord, and uh, let's just uh, keep talking about this. Uh, Jesus came in the flesh. Let's look at First John four, and uh, and as we get over in the New Testament into uh, into John, uh, it's uh, very very important. Uh, scripture and uh you know we need to need to recognize it for the importance that it is because there are things said in every book that have a particular application so in 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 um in the book of um first uh, john 4 2 and 3 it says um hereby know ye the spirit of god every every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is is come in the flesh uh, is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard uh, that it should come and even now already is in the world. Now, most people say, well, you know, that doesn't apply to me. I certainly recognize that Jesus came in a fleshly body, was born as a baby. Yeah, well, that's only part of the story. That's only part of it. And, and unless you understand that that's only part of it, you can actually be fallen into this, in this part where you are guilty of denying Christ came in the flesh in the total sense of what that means. Because if you don't understand the total sense of what that means and you're only putting one aspect of it, then you are, uh, subtract that one aspect, still failing with all the total rest of, uh, uh, of your interpretation uh, of, of that scripture. And you are actually not believing that Christ came in the flesh. Now, there's an awful lot of um, people out there in the religious world that... Um, do not believe that Jesus had a continuing presence uh, of of Christ in the flesh. 
and and they they don't understand that uh, that <laughs> Christ teaches, and uh, you know we'll be coming across the scriptures later, and uh, and he can be in more than one place at a time. And the Bible says in the sixteenth chapter of uh, the book of Mark that he appeared unto people in different forms, and we can think of all kinds of instances uh, that, that 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 tells us uh, the the story about. But it's this this thing about you know, continuing in the presence of Christ uh, in the flesh is important to understand that in this universe, whenever there are angels appearing to people, in almost every case, they take on physical bodies. Why? Because it's very difficult for a spirit that's sort of like a, 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 a see and can't, uh, I see, I don't see apparition. You don't know if it's someone from the dead. You don't know if it's a ghost. And, 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 and this apparition, uh, you know, uh, trying to uh, leave a mental impression that it, it's a, uh, you know, uh, 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 an angel. Uh, and and it's, it's very difficult to be able to make contact, to be able to make communication. So all communication that is done with human beings is done through this thing about using physical bodies, a physical presence. Now, I know there's people out there talking that the end of the world is here and Jesus Christ is going to come just right away. This is to be the second coming. But I'll have to tell you, and I'll have to be honest with you, that those people don't know what they're talking about. And there's a lot of them becoming false prophets because they are prophesying false things about the coming of the Lord. Now, when you start talking about the second coming of the Lord, I don't think people even know what they're talking about. I asked someone the other day, well, show me the verse that says second coming. Now, I know there's Jesus coming in the second watch, but he may not come in the second watch, it says. He might end up coming in the third, or he might end up even coming in a later watch. Now, that's what the Bible says. And, and you know, in, in ancient times, early uh, Christian era, there were people that believed that, that the second coming had already happened. And people say, if that isn't of the devil, and if that isn't, isn't evil, well, I don't know about that. Let me ask you a question. If I say to you, you know, uh, who is Jesus? Is Jesus the same as the Father? And, and most people say, well, yes, he is. Well, is he the same as the Holy Ghost? Oh, yeah, he, he's the, you know, the Father, the Holy Ghost, and the Son all in one. Oh, is that right? Okay. So when Jesus said, except I go away, I cannot send you the comforter. I have to go away bodily first. So then if Jesus is imbued within this Holy Ghost, and there is a displacement that has to happen, Jesus has to go away in one, one figurative placement before this other placement can come, so he has to displace himself for this other placement can come, which is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And then, as you would say, he's the same, then that was the second coming of Christ in the Holy Ghost when he came on the day of Pentecost. Now, it wasn't that the Holy Ghost hadn't been around on earth before, but it had not been around in the sense of a general pouring outpouring that was made available to whosoever would. And so as we begin to, begin to see this and begin to understand this, 
You know, in that sense, there's already been a second coming. Because Jesus then came as the Holy Ghost, and he, he, he came quickly. He came right away. It was hardly any time at all uh, before, you know, he, he appeared, uh, you know, at that upper chamber. And people were filled uh, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were speaking in, in all kinds of languages uh, that were represented in all kinds of places of the world, which was sort of like a, you know, a world uh, ful a fulfillment of, of, of a message, a divine message about going into all the world and preaching the gospel, the world in the sense of it being the earth. Not the world in the sense of, of Mark, where it talks about the world being the cosmos. There's both of those kind of scriptures in the Bible. So when people start talking about the second coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, they, they don't even know what they're talking about. They haven't got it straight. When they start talking about the end of the world, they don't know what they're talking about. They haven't got that straight either. Jesus said that it wasn't going to be that long, that... There's going to be some horrible things happen and not one stone be left upon another of this temple that the disciples were insisting in the 24th chapter of Matthew. They wanted to show Jesus. And so then he told them what's going to happen. There's going to be all wars and rumors of wars. and There's going to be all these things happen. And, and uh, you know, if, if when this starts to happen, you've got to get out of here. You've got to get out of here. <coughs> I shared with you last week that there was an angel of God, according to to an historical writ that came and warned the Christians to get out of there four years before the Romans invaded uh, Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and, and the city and took away over 30,000 slaves. God's going to go before you. If you're serving him, he's going to go before you. You don't have to get crazy the minute you, you know, you say, oh my God, it's, it, it's the end, I, I'm going to dig a hole. Uh, I remember way, way back when whereas people thought that, that, that there was going to be a war between Russia and the United States, and there's going to be an atomic war, and there were preachers that were prophesying it, and people were predicting it, and yes, this is the end of the world. And there was this one family that went out, and they, they dug into the earth and made a cave-like thing for survival. And then later, they just they just start getting so sick, and when they checked them out, they were they were just they they were just full of radiation, and they had dug into a place in the earth that there was natural radiation in the earth, the very thing they were trying to escape. They went right into and and basically ruined their life. They got so much radiation that that you know uh, their children weren't going to be able to have children. Uh, they were going to have early cancer, all kinds of problems. There was nothing the medical uh, people could do about it. I'm telling you, get off that wagon that has no peace. Get into the arms of Jesus. Because Jesus always constantly says, fear not. The angels that come constantly say, fear not. That's the message I'm bringing. Fear not. Fear not. It's a message of peace. It's a message to relax in the arms of Jesus. Blessed be the name of God. Now let's go on about this thing about, about this thing of the continuing presence in the flesh. Because, you know, there, there is something extremely urgent uh, to understand about that. Because when you don't understand that, uh, it, it has a serious connotation. Okay, now let's let's just talk about what that means. Um, 
uh, let, let me let me share with you a scripture uh, to show you how important it is. We're in the book of of, um, of John, but let's go to the Gospel of John, and let's go to chapter twenty, verse twenty six. John twenty twenty six. Okay. Now he, Jesus has appeared to the disciples, but Thomas was not there. But after eight days, Jesus came back again, and uh, and and uh, he stood in the midst and said, "Peace be unto you." Then said he to Thomas, "Thomas, you said you wouldn't believe unless you touched my body, you touched my wounds, you touched." the riveted side of my body and the wounds in my hands. So he said, Here I am. Reach hither thy, fither, thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Now here was Jesus in a body that was a physical body. This was after the crucifixion. This was after the resurrection. He's still appearing to people in the physical body. And here's a man that finally got the message. And when he got the message, what did he say to Jesus? Oh, well, it's nice to have you back. Now I know it's you. You know? No. He said, my Lord and my God. You see, it's not out of line to call someone in a physical body my Lord and my God. Because even Jesus said, uh, you know, quoting from Psalms, he says, you know, you are gods. Tenth chapter of, of, uh, tenth chapter of, um, uh, of the, of the uh, book of John. You are gods. And you're in fleshly bodies. But you see, you're compound. You're you're a dual entity. You have a spirit, and it's that spirit that makes you be, be what you really are. But that spirit has a physical body, and because you have the spirit that you have, then the endowment of that spirit casts a certain uh, uh, influence and recognition and merit to that body, regardless of the state of the spirituality of that body. And that is the story that is so important. And, and so the recognition of that, you know, if you can't recognize that Jesus can be Lord God in that fleshly body, then you are denying that Jesus has, has come in the flesh and has a continuing presence. You're denying that. If you can't understand that Jesus says, as you see me go, leave, and he was, he was right out there after he had been appearing to him physically, and he went right out there with a physical body, and he physically ascended. It says that he was, he was taken up. If you can't accept that he had a physical body and not just a spirit, then you are denying that Jesus came in the flesh and, and that word came incorporates his ministry for why he came, his mission, which was to come and to go. 
to come and to go and to prepare a place and then come back again to get his people, which people are calling the rapture. So if you can't enfold the whole thing, you are disobeying the scripture and you are under influence, and that's not good. You're under the influence of an antichrist ideology. Now I want to invite you people to be sure when you get a chance to get onto the new blog that's, that's on the manifest site. It's called Son of God, Son of Man. And you surely do need to read it, and it's a series. And there'll be a lot of, of good ingredients in that that will really help you understand the Bible, and it's just loaded with Scripture. It's very interesting. <clears throat> I want you to also get on to Star Rise, and there's a new uh, blog on there. We actually don't call them blogs on Star Rise. We call them posts, P-O-S-T-S. And this one is called Up UP with Angels. And it is very advanced and very spiritual thing that I've written about. And it has some of the revelations about this transrespirational. So get onto those two sites and get yourself updated. That'll help you a lot along with these teachings that we're doing right now. And, and, and get into this idea that, that as long as we're in this universe, God is going to be working in physical bodies. We're not going to be going around, you know, uh, doing a great work in, in, in spirit. Uh, we'll, our spirit will be operating out of physical bodies. Now get a hold of this. The people that are, in, in the, that are just in spirit without bodies, they're either demons that are cast out, or there are people imprisoned, like the spirits that were sometimes disobedient during the, during the flood of Noah, uh, that that were in prison, and Jesus uh, went down in into uh, uh, that kind of a uh, you know uh, purgatory or hell, and and preached to him and got him delivered. But they were just spirits; they weren't in bodies. And one of the first things that Jesus did, as it, as it explains in the book of Peter, was to release them so that they'd be able to go back into physical bodies. Because you can't have an expression, you can't have a title, you you can't have an alignment to the to the to this universe, which is, you know, it 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 it, it it's going to last forever. Even though it rolls down to just become a scroll, then after eons of time, the Bible says God will just stretch out that scroll again. It's, it's a physical infinity. And there's a spirit infinity. Okay, I hope that you're starting to get that. I think that's important. And I think that uh, that can, that can uh, mean a lot to you. In John 17.3, it says, there's like almost a, prayer that they might know whom God has sent. People think they know, I know Jesus. But they really don't. They really don't. They really don't understand that, that, that uh, he, was, he had a family and he had brothers and sisters. They really don't understand some of those things. Wow. Wow. Now, we shared the scripture with you, and I thought it was awesome. And this is in Proverbs 30 and 4. And it's, in, it's incredible. Who has ascended up into heaven? 
or who has descended. Now, though that scripture right there refers to two very potent scriptures in the Bible, Ephesians 4, 9 through 10, and Psalms 68, 18, in which it is referring to Jesus Christ, who has descended and ascended. Who has ascended up into heaven? Who has descended? That's talking about Jesus Christ. Who has gathered the wind in his fists? <laughs> That's talking about Jesus Christ. This is that transpiring, this, this, this wind, this breath. Who has, who has bound the waters in his garment? The waters are the people. In his garment, the blood. And, and that he has fastened this blood onto his vestures for their deliverance. And he's out there warring to, on the white horse ministry to set these people free from the, from the purgatories and, and the death cell sentences. Who has established all the ends of the earth? There's no other name but Jesus, but now get a hold of this one. What is his name and what is his son's name if you can discern? Jesus said, when you read the abomination that makes it desolate, he said, be sure that you, that you understand it and that you can discern it. Don't just read it and say, yeah, I read it. And this scripture is saying that if you want to get into a real understanding of Jesus Christ and know him in the flesh, know him after the flesh because it's, it's Jesus is taking our place. He's a proxy for us in the flesh, not in the spirit. The spirit is, is, is relieved as soon as we fulfill the fleshly mission. Then the spirit is freed. And believe me, it'll, it'll go out and it'll, it'll create, uh, just like the body, the angels, the angels have bodies that, that they're, they're doing their works and ministries in. They're, they're human, not human, but human type bodies, you know? And so the Bible says in the book of Genesis that when the gods came down, they, they said, let, let us, let us make man after our image. So it shows that, you know, they took on bodies similar to what, not the same, but similar to what the angels had. And, and we're going to, you know, eventually have, we're going to have bodies. But, but until we finish with our use of this body, and, and we're going out into space, we're going we're to plant other planets. And I've read you those scriptures many times. And I talked a little bit last week about uh, Leonardo uh, da Vinci and how that people say, oh, now, this Lord's Supper, uh, we've made a great discovery. And look at this person now. I, I think there's a necklace here, and I think that this person, uh, this person is, um, you know, uh, uh, is a female and, and not, a, not a man. I don't think this is really was John because why, you know, would it would be like this? And, 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 uh, and, so, and they, they think that da Vinci, is, you know, sure, he was an intelligent man, but they're giving him spiritual uh, uh, status. And, and, I mean, there's all kinds of things uh, that, are, that are being discovered about him and, and uh, uh, that, you know, he was everything from being a, um, uh, you know, a, a person who uh, preferred the, uh, the company and the sexuality of men over women. Whether that's true or not, you know, I'm not going to say, and I'm not going to condemn him or anybody else. But, you know, don't go to some person's painting like this man and think that he can change the Bible from what the Bible says. 
that is just about the dumbest thing that a spiritual person could ever do. You get get, get off that ship. That ship is headed straight into a, into into uh, you know a storm uh, from which you may never recover if you go into it. Wow. So it doesn't matter which human inspires Christ's virtue, Christ's virtues that encompass whatever. What really matters is the application of those things by the Spirit. Wow. Now, Mary is not a, something we should lightly pass up. She was the first witness of the resurrection. Not Peter, as some people have tried to claim. It was not Peter. It was Mary. Wow. So, as we begin to get into these revelations, it's so important. I've got to really move. Got to keep moving here. In, in Revelations twenty two seventeen, we read this to you before. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Spirit and Bride are, are speaking to you today. They say, come. And that, that's in the Revelations twenty two seventeen. It's not just the Spirit saying it, but it's also the Bride. And, and, uh, and, and we find right in this scripture as we read that, uh, that says that Christ has a wife. And then there's people who say, oh my God, they're trying to make Jesus who was divine. They're trying to make Jesus who is divine to have had a wife. Oh, really? So are you trying to tell me that no human can be divine? If he's married? I mean, it seems like there's some pretty strong scriptures to indicate that some of these saints of God were married. And, and, and in fact, uh, according to the New Testament, you could not be a bishop of the church unless you did have a wife. And in the Jewish relig religion, uh, a, a rabbi was acquired, required to have a wife. And when I look at some of the things happening in certain type of church or so, it makes it make a lot of sense that it's not good for a man to be alone. He needs to have a wife. Well, now that we mentioned that scripture, let's just throw in the rest of it. So God makes Adam. And Adam goes out and he's looking at the animals. He's watching them reproduce. He's watching all those things happen. They got little friends and buddies and he names them. He's been given the understanding of that. But with all that knowledge and everything, there was nothing out there for him. And then the gods came down, the angels, and they said, you know, it's not good. It's not good that he's alone. We need to make him a wife. It's got to come right out of his own being. And, and so he, he, I won't go into the whole story of that today about how that wife was brought about, but he was made a wife. He was the first Adam. Now then we know we got a second Adam. Jesus didn't have to come and be a second Adam. But he did come and be a second Adam. And you can find that in the genealogy in Luke, about the fourth chapter, who goes down the genealogy uh, right from the get-go on that, where it's either where different people uh, are not sure if, if, if it's, you know, uh, if, if it's the lineage of Mary or the lineage of Joseph. 
if it's the lineage of Joseph, uh, since we're into the virgin birth, Joseph didn't have anything to do, physically speaking, with the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, except as to be, you know, a sort of a helper and, and a stepfather. So it almost had to come through to Mary. And when you get to the end of it, it says, who was the son, Adam, who was the son of God. Adam was the son of God. It says it. Read it. Now we've got a second Adam. Now if God said, and the God says, it's not good that Adam be alone. And there's a difference of, of having a wife and having you know, a bunch of followers that are men, then it's very sensical that the same thing applies to Jesus. It's not good that he be alone and not have a wife. And if you've got some kind of an idea that you can't have a wife and be divine, then you must be living in, in, a, in a mental hell. Because you don't stand a chance to be uh, uh, divine and holy because because you're married, and what is what does that do to the wife? What kind of a of deplorable creature is she to bring you into such a wretched condition by marrying her that she deprives you of the possibility of divinity and holiness? You've got something wrong, big time wrong, and you need to get straightened out in your mind and in your thinking and all that philosophy and doctrine that that you've jammed and crammed into your brain until you are brainwashed with it. You got to get it kicked out. You got to get a lattice change because God is speaking to the people this day, and the Bible says the Spirit and the Bride say, "Come." It's not just the Spirit; it's the Spirit and the Bride. There is a conjunction, and that conjunction is very, very, very important. It's just like in the Hebrew language when you get into those those letters. You know, like, like Yod and Va. And Yod means female. And Va means male and female. Va. And, and one of the words they use to describe that male and female is the word and. So in the Tetragrammaton, done by the Holy Manifest, we got I am and I am. Not just, you know, uh, I am that I am which makes it one person, but it, it, this brings in the duality that was intended from the beginning. I am and I am. Now you have incorporated in this two, I am and I am, the Father the, and, and Jesus and, uh, with the Holy Spirit. And it's beautiful. And it's correct. And it's right. Wow. And we know there's two aspects. There's a duality. There's a parallel. We, we know that. And, and there are probably hundreds of examples in the Bible that you just go one to another, where like there, are, there is the metaphor, the symbolism, uh, which has an actual uh, uh, case, subject. And then that metaphor goes over to the other side that then has a plural case subject. So, so that the one example is a pattern of, 
another example. One example is about the planet here that's under the sun. And the Bible repeats that under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. And it's a star. It's just one star. But what happens here where there's just this one star affects the prophecy of things that happen up in the heavens of the universe where there are is a universe of stars. And that duality is all part of the beautiful plan of God. Wow. Oof. We talked about in Joel 2.16 how that God is wanting to bring the bride out of the closet and how important that is. We talked about Revelation 21.2. There's a new Jerusalem coming down. Prepare it as a bride. Coming down from the, first, from the, coming down from the, uh, the Father's house. Prepare it as a bride. This whole thing of this bride had to be had to be acted out in the literal sense of the of the flesh and blood of the body and the and the flesh and blood of the life and 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 the and the marriage of the of the female aspect and the male aspect <coughs> because in the tetragrammaton the va connects the two ims with the fem- male and female because in God is both the nature of, of the femininity and the masculinity. And you cannot ever forget that. Now we're going to get into this, um, this really beautiful thing, the Song of the Solomon. So if you'd like to turn over there uh, in, the, in your book, this is, is quite a beautiful thing in, into the uh, uh, canticles or called the, the Song of Solomon. We're going to uh, read something about Mary Magdalene, and uh, it's it's quite quite beautiful, and uh, you need to hear it. Blessed be the name of God. You need to hear it. Okay, let's look at Song of the Solomon, and we'll start with uh, chapter two, verse one. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. Now, when people read that, they think it's talking about Jesus. Well, you could say it's talking about him corporately, but not singularly, as we'll see. And they even have songs. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the lily of the valley. And it's from this verse right here. But actually, you know, this Rose of Sharon and Lily of the Valley is a lady. An outstanding lady. In fact, this is Mary that is talking about right here. Magdalene. We know if, we've, if people have read the Bible, if you've read in the New Testament, the scriptures that have been given, quoted from the Old Testament, there were prophets and there were people that were speaking and writing and ever so often in their writings the Holy Spirit would come on and then they would end up writing something that was a prophecy, uh, that was a word of God by the Holy Spirit. And then it would, it would get put down in the book 
and 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 then later the apostles and the prophets and Jesus begin to interpret and say this was what was written about the Lord. Jesus said this was what was written about me. And people say, well, I didn't know that that was written about you. Oh, my. Oh, well, that makes all the difference in the world. I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of, uh, the, lily of the valleys. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Now, there was a lot of other women out there. And Jesus was followed by crowds of women. But do you know most of those women were connected? They were under, they were, a lot of those women were connected with knowing Mary Magdalene. And many of them worked for her, some directly, some indirectly. But compared to what she was and what she had and the anointing upon her, they were like thorns compared to her. She was like a lily of the valleys. She was like a rose of Sharon compared to those other daughters, those other women. That's what it says here. Wow. And she says even compared to, and you know how pronounced that they, that in this world today that they make men so in so many different cultures and religions to be superior to women. Well, here's a scripture that says, you know, even the sons, the, even among the sons, you know, it says, as the apple tree among the trees of the, of the wood, so is my beloved among the, among the sons. Now, now she's talking about, first we have the comparison of Mary and the other ladies, the daughters, now she's comparing Jesus to the sons. And uh, corporately, as she's made one with Christ, she has the attribute of this same thing also applying to her as it applied to him. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. So she's saying, you know, I'm... Among all these daughters, I'm a lily of the valley. I'm a Rosa Sharon in comparison. Then she says, now as far as Jesus Christ, among all the sons, he's like an apple tree compared to just some kind of wooded tree. Then she says, I sat down under his shadow. And, and you know, that's that's Isaiah. <laughs> and there's songs been written about in the shadow of his smile, in the shadow of his presence, overshadowed. With great delight and his, H-I-S, man, male, fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house. His banner over me was love. This was the bridegroom call, the bridegroom realization. Because we th we've taught that Mary Magdalene knew who she was, and she knew who Jesus was. She knew that she was from the Father's house, 
And she knew that Jesus was from the Father's house. And she knew that on that other planet, the Father's house planet, that her and Jesus were married and had a son. And that son had come down and taken a body by the name of John. And John the Beloved was the son of Jesus in his body that he had in the Father's house. Now just hang and hold before you lose it all. He brought me to the banqueting house. This is what he's done with his life. And this is what he wants to do with all of us as a spiritual, incorporate group. Because we all belong to the Lord of hosts. We all belong to our Savior, Lord Jesus. Someone says, oh, this is something totally new. We've never ever been involved in a brideship before, and it's this holy new Jerusalem. Get off of it. Get off of it. This is a fallen group. And, and the Bible is very clear. There's dozens of scriptures that we existed and we were with him before the foundations of the world. There are dozens and dozens of scriptures that verify that. And you just need to get into that. You, you need to get into, into that understanding so that, that, that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt what the real truth is about. And once you know this real truth, it's going to set you free. And, and you know, God is talking to you. God is dealing with people. God is dealing with the people. And, and, you know, there is something absolutely super and wonderful about the teachings of the Holy Spirit that are in this word of the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, it says, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden mystery which God ordained before the world unto our glory. There's a mystery. There's a hidden mystery. It was, it's been ordained before the foundations of this world unto our glory. That's Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Second chapter of 1 Corinthians. Let's go on with Song of Solomon. His banner over me was love. Stay me with fagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. His left hand is under my head, his right hand doth embrace me. Now we're going to see some very interesting things here. We're going to see some very interesting things. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose by the hinds of the field that you stir not up nor awake my love till he please. Here is this condition, the Mary Magdalene. She knows that Jesus is her husband in the Father's house. But she cannot touch him like a husband here on earth. Even when he came out of the tomb 
and she thought he was the gardener, and she says, tell me where he's been laid so I, I can go and I can get his body and move it. And he turns around and he says, Mary. And she says, oh, my Lord and my God, my, my master. Oh, Lord, my master. And she rushes over to him and she's, you know, this, this love that has been withholding, has been sick. She just wants to hold him and hug him. But he said, touch me not. I haven't ascended to the Father. He knew that, number one, he was in this photo transition. He wasn't into a, a totally materialized body yet. Just maybe an hour later, before they even made it to Peter and John, uh, he met them the, uh, after Mary had been alone there for a while when this happened. Later, other ladies joined, and then she told them what had happened of the resurrection, resurrection, and they all went running to go get hold of Peter and them. Jesus ap appeared to them just before they got there, and then they all were hugging his feet. So Jesus was not being double-sided and saying, well, go ahead and hug, me, hug my feet. He was saying to her, you can't express our marriage from the Father's house here on earth. We've, I've not said it yet. You've not said it yet. It can't be done yet. What an incredible thing. Then she says, don't, don't, disturb, don't disturb him, my love. He's sleeping. Well, that's what it was. That's what Jesus called that state of suspension, that state of suspension that others call death. He said that about Lazarus. He's not dead. He's sleeping. And she was saying, he's sleeping. Don't disturb him. You know, she understood there was a process, but it was hard for her to maintain even that belief. She was in such a hurry to know that he was going to be resurrected and restored. And she said, you know, don't don't disturb him. You know, wow. And then on in verse 8, you notice a paragraph which shows that the subject now from the paragraph mark the subject changes. The voice of my beloved, behold he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. The resurrection victory has happened. It's a change of the scene. And I was throwing that other part in a little bit ahead of myself on the thing about, you know, in the garden uh, because it's such a connection to Mary Magdalene. But it actually comes after this, after this uh, paragraph. And so there, you know, it's such joy, such leaping upon the mountains, such skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roll of young heart Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the window, showing himself through the lattice. And, you know, what is this talking about? You know, Jesus is appearing in different bodies, showing himself through the lattice. That's what he did during the resurrection, time when he was resurrected on earth. Wow. My beloved spake and said unto me, and now here's Jesus talking to, to 
talking to Mary. Here's Jesus talking and saying something that's so beautiful to Mary Magdalene. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Why is he saying that? Because he's, he, she's going back with him. She's going back with him. Someone says, oh, now they found her bones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's three large Catholic shrines that all claim to have her bones in her body. I don't think it's hardly likely possible that three different churches all have the, the body of Mary Magdalene. In fact, I think what is really possible is that, and, and definite, is that none of them have the body of Mary Magdalene. No one has ever found her bones because she ascended. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The trial of, the re of, of, of Pilate. The trial of the scourge, the trial of the resurrection, of the, of the crucifixion is past. It's over. The winter is past. The rain is over. It's gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing of the birds is come. And the voice of the turtle, this is the, the turtle dove, is heard in the land. So now, the dove is the symbol of the Holy Spirit, but um, even Mary Magdalene is sometimes called his dove, as you'll see. The time of the singing of birds has come, the voice of the turtle dove is heard in the land. The fig tree putteth forth its green figs, and the vines with tender grapes give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, come away, it repeats it again. The ministry, the fig ministry, the flowers appear, the birds singing, the birds are singing because there's going to be hatching of eggs, there's going to be new life. There's going, there's the, the disciple ministry is, is, is being set up. There are the flowers blooming. And they're going to begin to be ministering, going out and ministering, doing what Jesus did, going, going to all the world and preach the gospel. They're involved in that. Wow. Wow. And it goes on then. It's in, and it's, it's beautiful. You know, and the 13th verse, last part of it, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Twice, right in the short verses, he said, I want you to come and I want you to be with me. There were others that disciples that said, well, we want to go with you where you're going. He said, no, you can't come now. But he didn't say that about Mary Magdalene because there was a, a destiny that preceded their being here on this earth. He says, I want you to rise, my love, and I want you to come away with me. Wow. Verse 14, and, and, and this is where we're going to stop on this part of it. O my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock. This is being enfolded in the love of the rock of ages of Jesus Christ. You're in the secret places of the stairs. It's not time. 
You're in the secret places of the stairs. And the secret places of the stairs is all these, these secret things that Mary knew, that Jesus knew about their marriage, about their child, about Artura, the father's house. They were in the secret places of the stairs. They couldn't tell it at that time. There, it, it wasn't meant. There, there, would, there would be people that would want to kill her, kill her child, kill their child. But now he says, come away with me. And what does he say? Let me see your countenance. Let me hear your voice, for sweet is your voice. Your countenance is, is comely. So he is saying, I want that day to come when we will be able to know each other as we were known. I want to know you as my wife and you to know me as your husband. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. The Bible says Jesus took not on the nature of an angel for this mission. He took on the nature of Abraham. You know anything about Abraham? How many wives and concubines that he had? And we're not saying that in a funny way. We're just saying, you know, to, to have that kind of gravel in your backyard is pretty profound. And that was all part of the temptation. That was all part of the being able to overcome. So that, and the Bible says that. So that he could then offer this kinsman redeemer thing. It, 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 it is so important. Let me just read that real fast over here in he Hebrews because it, it's quite beautiful. You know? It's quite beautiful. And here's what it says. And this is Hebrews chapter, chapter 2, verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are, whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all one. For which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church while I sing. Wow. I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also likewise, likewise, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, which is the devil. Six, verse 16. He took not on the nature, the nature of angels, he took on him the seed of Abraham. That seed of Abraham then incorporated not the nature of angels. He had, had taken on the nature of these humans on earth. Wow. It says, Wherefore in all things it be, behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliations for the sin of the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able, because of being of all of this, he himself has suffered and been tempted. He is then made able to succor them that are tempted. 
Wow. That's in Hebrews chapter 2, starting with verse 10. Now let's finish this. Verse 14 of chapter 2 of Song of, of the Solomon. O my love, thou art in the cliffs of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance. I want to see you again. I want to see you for, you know, I want to get rid of this glass darkly so that we'll be known as we were known. And in the 1640, it says, My beloved is mine. Wow. And there's so much more to say. There is so much more to say. Well, we've got maybe five minutes or ten minutes here at the most. Let me just try to share a few other things speedily as I can. You know, it's just, it's just awesome. All the possibilities of everything that God is showing us. And there's so much, and it's so beautiful. And if people want to make it nasty or dirty, that's because they're sick with sin. God have mercy on them. But we know, as I explained to you before, that there were many comings of Jesus. I explained to you the Enoch coming. That was where he was raptured, where, where the Lord came for him, the Enoch coming of Jesus. Genesis 5.24, the Elijah coming, Second Kings 2.12, the Elisha, I explained that to you, Second Kings 13.20.21, the Psalms of the, uh, of the deliverance of the, and the, the resurrection uh, or the rapture of these people from Bashan, which is a mountain, but which also represented the remnant of the giants, and that among them there were these people that were not of the giants, but that ended up being killed in that whole fray, and that those people were were, were regenerated and and were involved in the regeneration and raptured. Psalm sixty-eight seventeen through eighteen. And then in Matthew twenty four thirty seven through forty one the rapture of the progeny of Enoch, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days that come to seven of man. The rapture that's going to happen in the future is going to happen happen back in the in the days of of the flood, and in Ephesians, uh, this revelation about you know those who have ascended, and that he went down and he brought those. Those he descended down, he brought those up out of the depths. That was another rapture. And then we said then there's going to be that one that Jesus talked about, which he's going to be coming again, and there be a meeting in the air. Wow. And we explained about when Mary Magdalene was taken up. I don't have time to go through all that again. But we know this Father's house thing in the Gospel of John 14 is sort of re-accentuated a lot in the Bible by various Bethany names of, of houses, like the House of Height, that you can find that in the Concordance, Strong's Concordance, 1004 and 7311, the House of Breath and Width, 1004 and 4801, the House of Prayer, 1004, 
House of Replies, 1042 and 6030, the House of the Sun, 1004 and 8121, the House of, of Apollos, many mansions, 10041, and the House of Bread, 1004-3899. And we understand this in the revelation of the dual locations where, where Jesus said, I've told you earthly things and you cannot believe them. How shall I how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, he that came down from heaven, he's down from heaven there on earth, even the Son of Man who is in heaven. He's in a dual location and he's in both places. John three eleven through 12. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, Matthew sixteen nineteen, Matthew eighteen eighteen through nineteen. Wow, wow. We find out in that heaven, Genesis one six through nine, can be a physical place on a physical planet called the firmament, and it's also called heaven. And we see the connection of the heavens above and the earth below in Psalms 54 and 5. And we see that people are going to dwell not only on this earth, but they're going to dwell in the heavens. Revelations 12, 12. Rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. And First Thessalonians 4, 16. This coming of Jesus. For the Lord himself shall descend. And other sheep I have that are not of this fold. John ten sixteen, The far country. Luke 20, 9 through 16. Hebrews 11, 8 through 16. Abraham looked for a city not made with hands. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God. This is a revelation as I close here. This is a revelation about the kings and the queens. The Bible says that I've I have called you to become kings and priests. And he leaves out the woman. Leaves out the woman. But when it's properly interpreted, the priest stands for the corporation of the church. Because he's the head of the church. So the church is the woman. So you have the kings and you have the queens. The 12th chapter shows this woman with a crown who represented the church. There it is, 12th chapter of Revelations. The ministry that God is moving mightily. The Spirit says come, the bride says come. I've called you to be kings and priests. That's part of the bridegroom message. And we're not going to let anything take that away. There is a garmenting, a garmenting of the bridegroom, a a garmenting of the garment, garmenting of the mind, and and a place where people have to come in to this beautiful and ultimate revelation. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to close. I'm not sure what I'll do next week, if we'll finish up a little more on this or not. 
I'll just see how the Spirit leads me. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget to read the blog. Please make comments on them. Even if you just say, I believe or I witness or thank you for this word. The Manifest blog and in Star Eyes, Up With Angels. We love you. May God heal you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet and give you peace this day. May his love just flow like a river to your life. Amen.